<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. We have two very special animal guests for you tonight. Both are hairy and have teeth. Please welcome Gary Hoffman. Listen, my teens and my 20-somethings, I get it. It's cool. He's the song of the summer. Shannon Farron. Hey, how you doing, darling? Talk about a ball buster. Gary and Shannon. And we gotta do something. And we gotta do it now. Gary and Shannon, well, Well, this president has orchestrated many great reality television moments in Uh his past with The Apprentice uh, year after year after year. And this was among one of the best reality TV moments today in the Oval Office. They just played into his game. I don't understand how they did this. I don't know what sort of mentality they had going into it, if they had... A pep talk with each other before they walked in, but Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer got handed their pants in this show today. Because I I think it was clearly a show, and they absolutely lost. And it was totally by design. Uh, This was a meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that was going to be just between the three or four of them. Mike Pence was involved as well. And then the president decides to open it up to the media and make his play for his border wall, claiming that if he doesn't get the border security, he will shut down the government. Yeah, the conversation itself was supposed – I mean, it's just – it's in the – one of the rooms in the White House, the fireplace in the background, and it's just 90% of the time, it's just a conversation. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what we want. We'll discuss different options. We'll talk about ways to get it, and hopefully we could come to some bipartisan blah, 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 blah. Well, at one point, the president speaks, traditionally speaks first, and then offers it up to Nancy Pelosi. And Nancy starts talking, and uh, and he totally interrupts her at one point. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. When I, I did. Let me say this. We did win North this. Dakota this and Indiana. This is the most unfortunate thing. We came in here in good faith, uh, and, and, and we're entering into a... Of this kind of a discussion in the public view. But it's not bad, Nancy. No, and no. It's called transparency. I know. It's not transparency when we're not stipulating to a set of facts and when we want to have a debate with you about saying we confront some of those facts. You know what? We need border security. That's what we're going to be talking about border security. If we don't have border security, we'll shut down the government. Uh, He goes on. We'll talk more about his uh, line that he totally takes responsibility for it. Chuck Schumer was trying to threaten him. By saying, well, if we shut down the government, it's because of you. And Donald Trump said, fine, right. I'll take it. I will wear that because if I'm shutting down the government on behalf of achieving some amount of border security, then I'm going to win that one. And he's absolutely right on that. Yeah, this is uh, this was a bold move because Nancy Pelosi was saying if there's a government shutdown, it's the Republicans' fault. Uh, the Republicans are still in control of the House and the Senate and in and, and, and the White House. And he's saying – 
okay, I see your play and I raise you one. It is my fault. Yeah. It's all on me because this is what I want. Schumer saying that this temper tantrum, his words, uh, will not get him his wall. Pelosi saying Trump doesn't have the votes in the House to secure the billions he wants to fulfill uh, his promise to build a wall. And Schumer saying if Trump doesn't change his rhetoric, change course, he will get no wall and he will get a shutdown. The government funding is set to expire December 21st. Remember, they punted a couple weeks ago. And so there could be a partial shutdown happening then. And then the, and then the stalemate, what goes on for how long? Yeah, I, I don't know how this is going to last because we know that the beginning of January is when the democratically controlled House will be sworn in. Nancy Pelosi actually referred to that. You said this, uh, that the president does have votes right now. He's obviously got the majority in the House. He's got the majority in the Senate. But he doesn't have enough of a majority in the Senate to do anything. And the president brought that up. It doesn't help for me to take a vote in the House where I will win easily with the Republicans. It doesn't help to take that vote because I'm not going to get the vote of the Senate. I need 10 senators. That's the problem. You have the White House. You have the Senate. I have the you White have House. The, the House White House, House is House. done. And the House would give me the vote if I wanted it. But I can't because well, I need, can't. Nancy, I need 10 yeah. votes from Chuck. And which was a weird thing. She kept referring to that. I mean, if he were to vote now on this funding bill, uh, as opposed to a couple of weeks from now when the democratically controlled, uh, when the Democrats take the majority in the House. And he's saying, listen, I'm not doing this just for show because I know it will die in the Senate. And he, he, he made perfect sense. And yeah. that's the weirdest thing to say that he was making well he knows how he knows how deals are made oh it was it was so frustrating to watch this and then to see nancy pelosi come out afterwards so that was all in the public version of it when the press was in the room the president eventually shooed them out oh let me play just a little bit of this because um uh the president uh, takes credit for it when he says i'll take this i'm gonna wear this one if you guys want to put it on me I'll wear it because it's for border security. Twenty times you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said. You want to know something? You said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you on my You said head. it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. Enough. Now, by the way, he's going to win on that. Yes, it's going to be a uh, shutdown. He's going to wear it, but at the same time, there's enough people out there who say that border security is important enough that this is worth it. It would be absolutely worth I it. I almost wonder if the midterms would have turned out differently if this scene played out before that election day because so many people want that wall. And they, they will, they will, they will fall on that freaking sword yeah. all day long and twice on Sunday and, and not worry at all about what a government shutdown means to anybody. I feel like, I feel like, and I, I mean, this will play out over the next couple of days, but I feel like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer lost today. They absolutely lost because, and one of the reasons I say that was Nancy Pelosi or whoever her staff is, uh, are that wrote this following line that she delivered outside falls so flat. And I know that she thought she had an absolute winner in this line that she delivered outside the White House. So unfortunately that the president choose to shut down the government, that we have a Trump shutdown as a Christmas present, a holiday present to the American people. Oh, God. I told the president. You're not going to outperform this guy. Yeah. You're not going to out 
uh, cute him or uh, deliver a, a line that's going to be a zinger more than he, he they did lose today. Yeah. Uh, they should have called off that meeting as soon as he said he's going to open up to cameras because they were in a position of power as just, Trump and Pence were, and they looked bumbling. Just sit there. Listen, let the president be the president. Uh, when he says, Nancy, do you want to say something? You just say, um, actually, thank you, Mr. President. No, I'd rather just right. have this discussion right. in private. With it, you. it was not handled well. It was and not. They played right into his Chuck hand. Schumer has to fall, you know, has to try to stick up for Nancy Pelosi and then say, well, you're never going to get this. You know, we're never going to give you the funding and you're never going to get your wool. Most people are not in the minutia of what a government shutdown means. Uh, they hear government shutdown and a lot of people probably think, good. Let's shut down the government, right? Yeah. Uh, they do feel strongly when it comes to this wall. So uh, I think that that was probably a really good call, whoever made this available for cameras. And I love that Mike Pence sat there and just absorbed it like a robot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Mike Pence. He just recorded every single word of it. He's from Westworld. He is from West He totally World. is. Uh, one other big story I just wanted to mention before we go to a break here is the hunt for a chief of staff. A lot of people in Washington whispering that, or not whispering, just straight out saying that nobody wants this job. Nobody wants to be Trump's chief of staff. It's an unwinnable position. And he said today there's a lot of good people who want to be White House chief of staff. Many. He rejected more speculation. Than, more than 10. That's right. Tweeted. That they're having trouble finding qualified candidates. <laughs> he also said he's in no rush to make a decision. Of course, uh, John Kelly plans to exit imminently as early as next month. At the top of next hour, we're going to update you on the uh, Cal State Northridge situation, the second threat that has landed there in a week. The president of CSUN, Diane Harrison, and the police chief just spoke, basically just said that the campus is going to be open tomorrow, which was when one of the days was specified that uh, there would be an attack. And they said that there's zero evidence that this is an actual credible threat or that violence would be imminent. So we'll talk more about that at the top of next hour and keep you updated. Coming up next, a mom missing from Colorado and a spotlight on her fiance now. We'll tell you all about it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Somebody's got you A lot of time, of course, this morning planning the show in the office, per usual. But we spent the most time this morning talking about what happened to Nick yesterday on his way home from the dentist when he stopped at Starbucks. Yeah, we're going to have to go into this. First of all, who drinks a coffee right after they go to the dentist? And second of all, is this does this only happen during the holidays? This this pay it forward thing well and is it pay it forward i have a conspiracy theory that it's starbucks behind this oh i'm okay Mm -hmm. i'd listen to that and then we'll hear about it in january when the campaign (laughs) is over um, at 12.30, when we get into Swamp Watch, we will dump back into that uh, story of the Oval Office. I don't know what you'd call the argument. Way to use spat, the word whatever. dump, because that's kind of what it was. <laughs> it was all about the, uh, the, the threat of a shutdown because of the border wall. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were invited to the White House to talk to the president. And then they started, uh, I don't know, trying to play his game in his house. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So we'll talk about that Uh, at the top of next hour. We are going to get into uh, the Cal State Northridge threats. I hate the story for a couple of reasons. I hate the story. Well, I hate giving credence to 
hollow threats, I guess, because it happens all the time. Um, yeah. Schools, unfortunately, get these all the time. And this one keeps getting more attention than maybe it should. And we'll talk about that. Also, the update on the USC gynecologist. Police have gone through this guy's storage unit. This is like Silence of the Lambs. Story does not get better. No, it does not. Uh, All right, but we're going to start, though, with uh, this segment with the story of 29-year-old Kelsey Barrett. Kelsey is a young mother. She has a one-year-old, and she was at a grocery store in Woodland Park, Colorado, Thanksgiving Day with her baby girl. That was the last time she was seen. Her fiancé happens to be the father of the baby girl. His name is Patrick Frazee says that he was the last person to see Kelsey alive when she dropped off the daughter at his home. And about three days later, he says that Kelsey texted him. And on that same day, November 25th, her co-workers got a text from her phone that said that she wasn't going to be in all the next week. Let's stop right there. I know I've got the Denise Huskins rule right next to me right here. Right. That says don't Just jump to conclusions. Don't jump to conclusions. But I've got to jump to this conclusion. Even if there's a boyfriend or a fiancé in the picture. If there's a boyfriend or a fiancé in the picture, yeah. you, get to, you get to jump to a conclusion. He immediately jumps to the top of the line he in could, terms of suspects. Even though he's saying she sent him a text three days after she was seen and she sent her coworkers a text, obviously, as we all learned when we watched you on Lifetime, he could have been texting on her phone. You know, texting himself right. from her phone, texting her coworkers from her phone. So anyway, that was November 25th. And then November 28th, when the alleged texts were sent. And it was not until December 2nd that police went to her home because her mother reported her missing. So that's odd as well. November 25th is the last time that, that he sees her. And then he gets a text from her three days later, if you want to follow his story. But still nothing, and then he doesn't report her missing, but the mother does on uh, December 2nd? Why wouldn't he? If your wife didn't come home or your fiancé didn't come home right. for five days, wouldn't you by then have reported her missing? Well, what one of the reasons why we're even paying attention to this today is yesterday, the police chief of Woodland Park, Miles DeYoung, held a news conference. And in that news conference laid out what you would, I mean, we've seen many times before when it comes to a missing person's case. Uh, Here's the description. Here's where Kelsey was last seen. Uh, She may have been driving this car or she has relatives here or this was her common, you know, this is where she worked. Just to get information out there because if some, by chance, she's just laying low for whatever reason, they want to be able to make sure that she's okay. Now, what was missing yesterday the fiance, Patrick Frazee, he was not at the news conference. Um, the police chief said, listen, we know that she was a flight instructor uh, and she works there, I guess, in Pueblo, Colorado at a flight uh, at an airport. Yes, she is a flight instructor down at, in Pueblo. All airplanes are accounted for. There is no indication that she has uh, taken off in an airplane and gone somewhere at this point. Um, so that was the police chief. Mom says, this is very unlike Kelsey. This is completely out of character. Kelsey loves her God. She loves her family and friends, and she loves her job. She's reliable, considerate, and honest. Okay, so what is missing is the fiancé, and the police chief was asked about it. We'll tell you what the police chief's response was 
when the question of, hey, uh, where's Patrick? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Look, I don't mean to frustrate, but I always make the same mistakes. Yeah, always make the same mistakes, cause I'm bad in love. But you can't blame me for trying. You know I'd be lying, saying, Gary and Shannon, I know this is a uh, a heartbreaker, but uh, Kathy Lee is out at uh, the Today Show. People love Kathy Lee. Seriously? Yeah, she was very successful in the program with Regis. And they did pretty well in that 10 a.m. slot where they just drank wine. What a gig. What? A, yeah, that... Go to work for an hour. By the drink way... Drink wine with one of your friends. I don't know if you've seen this yet on, on the show Great News on Netflix. I have not seen that yet. They make fun of that show. And it's... They call it the... Oh, boy. Morning wind up, yeah. W i n e d wind up. Everyone makes fun of that show, but if you can get a gig where you do an hour show, uh, where you <laughs> drink wine with yeah. one of your friends, make fun of me all you want. Day drinking, I paid for it. Yeah, you know, we should turn the last hour of this show into. There's nothing unusual about drinking at one o'clock. I though. know you're right. If we t- if we started the first hour, like you could only drink from ten to eleven. <laughs> That would be and then a problem. see how the rest of the day goes, and then the one uh, o'clock hour would be nap time. Watch our lives go down the drain. We um, at the top of the hour, we're going to update you on the uh, CSUN situation. The Cal State Northridge they got another threat, but the uh, president of Cal State Northridge spoke just a few minutes ago. We'll actually hear from uh, from her and the police chief about what the plan is for tomorrow. Come we're talking about the the case of Kelsey Bereth, 29-year-old mother of a one-year-old little baby, a, fi- a fiancé as well. And police, the official line is they're not sure if she ran away or was kidnapped. Uh, she has not been seen since she was at a grocery store Thanksgiving Day. Her cell phone has pinged in Idaho, where she has family uh, she did allegedly text her work that she'd need a few days off, but nobody has heard from her. The uh, the weirdest part is what we mentioned just before the break, that mom had not heard from her since uh, Thanksgiving Day, basically, but didn't report her missing until December 2nd. And it was mom that reported her missing, not her fiancé, not the father of her child. So... He says he has no idea where she is, and he is at least the the claims to have been the last person to see her alive. Yes, and that was when she dropped off their daughter at his home on November 22nd, and then three days later texted him. The contents of that text have not been revealed, but the same day her coworkers got that text message from her phone saying she would not be coming to work the following week. So yesterday they have a press conference. And Miles DeYoung, the police chief there in Woodland Park, Colorado, is standing alongside Kelsey's mother. And Kelsey's mother, I played the soundbite for you, said, she is not like this. She does not disappear. She is very loyal. This is very out of character for her. Who was missing? The fiancé, Patrick Frazee. And one of the reporters says, excuse me, uh, Bob Diamond, KUSC Television, um, Chief DeYoung, why is it that fiancé Patrick Frazee is not here at this news conference? And the police chief goes, I don't know, you're going to have to ask him. So I was at the first press conference after Lacey Peterson went missing. Mm -hmm. 
and it was a week after Christmas. And I remember being in that room and they, there was Sharon, who was her mom, and she was up there and it, it was, uh, she was very emotional and her husband, I believe, uh, stood by her or no, Lacey's dad, not her husband, but her, her Lacey's dad stood there too and the police chief. And I remember seeing Scott Peterson in the room, but he was towards the back and wasn't part of the podium group. Right. And I remember thinking, that's weird. And I mean, he was, I was watching him walk around and he was talking to them, but he wasn't one of the guys, he wasn't going to be one of the speakers. And I remember thinking, that's weird. Like if, you know, you'd think that your husband would be up there pleading. Well, yes, that would seem like the logical thing to do, even if you were emotionally distraught at the thought that something bad has happened to your wife, an unborn child, that you'd want to be up there. But then again, I mean, we saw Chris Watts in Colorado also. We saw Chris Watts come out, uh, not that he was at a news conference. I don't think they had even had time for a news conference, but... He was in front of TV cameras talking about how much he missed his wife and kids and wanted them to come back safely. So I totally agree, but it's not necessarily an indication that anything's wrong. And by the way, we're not saying that Patrick Frazee had anything to do with this. It's just weird, and it's weird the way the police department characterized this. Why isn't the why isn't the fiancé at this news conference? And the police chief goes, I don't know, you're going to have to ask him. And then... Well, why is it that the fiancé was not the one who reported her missing? And the police chief says again, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. In terms of whether or not the fiancé is a suspect, all the police chief says is, quote, at this point, he is the father of Kelsey's daughter. Now, when I hear that, all I think of is, He's oh, yeah, suspect. detectives are watching this guy 24 hours a day. Police have yet to officially rule her di- her disappearance as suspicious. They have no evidence, they say, to indicate anything other than she is a missing person. When they searched her home, they found cold cinnamon rolls, which had been left out, probably to cool. The only thing missing was her purse. You don't leave cinnamon roll. You don't bake cinnamon rolls and then leave them out to cool and never come back. You don't leave a one-year-old baby daughter at home never to come back. Now, there is a possibility, because we talked about this before, she is a flight instructor. Because cinnamon rolls are delicious. (laughs) She can clearly fly planes. It doesn't take that long to go 700 miles like we said her cell phone pinged a few days later in idaho where she's got relatives although her relatives are farther away from i think it was gooding idaho where her her cell phone pinged her relatives are a couple hundred miles away from there but maybe you know maybe she lands and stops for fuel or something like that if she's in a plane she doesn't take any of her luggage she doesn't take any extra clothes give me a break you think she's uh something bad happened yes oh can I just give a shout out to Trader Joe's cinnamon sugar um, muffin recipe? I mean, I didn't make muffins, but I made like, a, you know, just like the cake form. You don't strike me as and, Betty Baker. Well, a Trader Joe's makes it very easy. You just add water. You add right? water and an egg. Oh, and then pour it in the thing. <laughs> okay, but it was so delicious. If you're looking for a holiday treat. Mm-hmm. Trader Joe's cinnamon uh, sugar bread. They also make uh, 
pumpkin cinnamon rolls. Yeah, I've done that too. Plop out of the little yep. little case that goes, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then you throw it in the oven. And then throw some of that sugar water on top of it. All right. Mm. We are going to need your help uh, when we come back. Nick was really put off by something that happened to him yesterday on the way home from the dentist. It's this is, And I think this is an example of how, <laughs> how much we doubt humanity. Right. Like, like goodness, like really like happen. goodness in yeah. humanity. Nobody um, does that. It's also a really good highlighter of the fact that Nick is a sixty-five-year-old man. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. It is uh, Tuesday, December eleventh. Judge has set a date in March now for sentencing for the guy who uh, was convicted of murder for driving his car into counter-protesters at that white nationalist rally in Virginia last year. The recommendation is uh, life plus 419 years. Life plus 419. Right. Uh, At 1230, when we get into Swamp Watch, we're going to talk more about this argument that the president got into with congressional leaders today, Democratic congressional leaders, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, over the demands for border wall funding and the threat of a government shutdown. Classless? Yes. But if you were to score the whole thing, kind of feel like the president wins on this one. Uh, they, they cannot play the president's game in the president's house in front of TV cameras. They are simply unqualified to do that. That's not who they are. They played his game, and they absolutely lost today. Anyway, we'll talk more about that at 1230. So Nick this morning looked a little bit, I don't want to say perturbed, perturbed, but um, I think something was bothering him. He was shaken. I don't know if he's shaken. He just looked a little pissed off. I was a little pissed off, yeah. You know, Which is weird because the reason that you're angry stems from something positive that someone did for you. Go ahead and walk us through it. Yeah, I'm still confused about how I should feel about this, but I was in the drive-thru at Starbucks yesterday. Okay. So I get to the window, hand her my card to pay, and she says, oh, uh, don't worry about it. The lady in the car actually paid for your stuff for you. That's very nice, especially in the holidays. Well, that was kind of my initial reaction was, oh, okay, cool. But then then what do you do? And then I said, and then I said, Why? And the barista kind of turns to the person behind her, and she goes, "He said, he said, why?" She goes, "We, they ask that all the time." She goes, "She was just paying it forward, I guess." And then I looked in the rearview mirror at the person behind me, and I'm like, "Well, do they?" And here's the thing: the question is, do they know that? Does the person behind you know that yours was paid? Of course, for? they don't. No, they don't know. But I'm thinking, all right, are they expecting me to now pay for the person behind me? Well. It's, I didn't ask to about, be brought into this situation. It, it's all about what is this barista going to think of me? Right. Right. And she kind of had this look in her eye like there was a pause like, so you're going to pay for the person behind you? Right. And I said, and I, well, I just took the coffee, said thank you, and I drove off. <laughs> I didn't pay it forward. Well, here's, and he was, and, and he's still upset about and this. And I feel like they were judging me behind my back. Like he would have been happier if he just went and paid for his own crap and then went along his yeah, way. Yeah, because what was the person in front of me thinking? Did she look in her rearview mirror and see me and think, man, that guy could use a break? He could use a break. Maybe yeah. she did. Well, rattled. also, what or if maybe... the guy behind Nick ordered way more, you know? Right. That's I mean, he ordered that five was, drinks. That was my question, Joe, is... 
there are so many things that cost different prices at at Starbucks. How much money did the woman ahead of Nick leave? Because his order was like seven or eight bucks. Yeah. She she gave him seven or eight extra dollars for Nick. See, I don't I don't know if she got to the to the window and said, "Hey, whatever that person got." Yeah. It's on me. Yeah, because oh, because you've already yeah, ordered. He's right, already, I already ordered. ordered. They can see what uh, his drink order. Is. I had wow, a venti she, coffee she eight, and a tall latte. She spent eight dollars on you. And you're yeah. ass- but you're assuming though that she started the chain. I am assuming she started the chain. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing. There there was an article I found this from a few years ago from Fast Company magazine that said that there was a pay it forward chain at a Starbucks that lasted 378 customers. Wow. That it, it went for ten. Hours. All those good people, and then Nick. Nick well, was no, 379. No, it, was, it, it wasn't Nick, but they did say when the New York Times wrote up the article originally and sort of documented this this pay it forward chain. They said that the one person who broke it was a woman in a white jeep, and there was this sort of pitchforks and and torches uh, effort to find who this Grinch was. That broke the chain. Now, there's no way, like you were saying, there's no way that that woman in the white Jeep knew that 378 people in front of her had continued to pay it forward. But listen, the only person who really who really gets the credit for a pay it forward chain is the very first person. Well, I because, just because if Nick, listen, the woman, whoever it was, that went before Nick paid for two drinks, assuming everyone gets one. They paid for two coffee drinks from Starbucks. So what? Ten bucks? Maybe twelve? If Nick goes up and they say to him, uh, the customer ahead of you already paid, then all Nick is really doing is paying for his coffee if he chooses to pay it forward. Well, here, here's the thing. This is what it boils down to. Uh, it's a lot of good feelings past uh, you know, when somebody pays it forward and, and you get your coffee for free and, and yes. you leave feeling good and you feel good about people. And it's cheap. And, and, and Nick didn't do that. Right. He didn't pass it on. He didn't pass on the good vibes. No, my gut reaction was I, I was kind of mad and I couldn't explain why. I don't know why that was my feeling. Well, let me ask you this, Nick, because I think this is a key. When, the, when you got to the window and they said the person in front of you paid for it, did they ask you? If you want to do the same, they did not. No. See, I think that's the key. And that's why that chain lasted so long is they were saying that the one barista or one of the baristas who was doing that was asking each individual customer, hey, uh, the gentleman in front of you paid. Would you like to do the same? Yeah, because if you're shamed into it, exactly. you're going to do it. Exactly. It's like when you're at the grocery store and they say, would you like to add on a dollar to feed hungry children? You're not going to say no. I say no you're, every single you're time. You're shamed right there in front of all the other people in line. Here's my conspiracy theory about the Starbucks story. I don't think the woman ahead of you paid for your coffee because I'm cynical. I think it's a Starbucks initiative that they're doing during the holidays where they say that in the hopes that you will then go and do something nice for somebody else, uh, provide good feelings during the holidays. And in January, we're going to hear that Starbucks at random locations at random times claimed that the person ahead right. paid it forward. Hey, listen, they get incredible PR. Yes, they do. For a for a $5, $7 drink, whatever it is, however extravagant uh, Nick likes his drinks, Seven bucks. It's all about Starbucks spreading goodwill and good vibes throughout the holidays. You know, they've got their cups, their holiday cups. So, everyone looks forward to. So next time you go to a Starbucks drive-thru or even just the Starbucks walk-up and they say to you, 
oh, the customer ahead of you paid for your drink. You say BS. You say, You're a liar. You lie. You're a lying And when you lie, the baby Jesus cries right. during the holiday and season. And you know what Santa doesn't like? Liars. It's great to scream at employees on camera. That's a smart move. We don't assault them. Just belittle them. That, yeah. That's More good advice good. next at Gary Paint your own coffee. So why don't you just make me in the middle? In the middle. Jeremy wrote to us on uh, Facebook, <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Nick, thanks for the real-world example of why socialism may seem like a good idea but isn't. You worked for your coffee, but your reward incentive was taken away. Then you also felt odd that you were asked to have worked for the coffee of the stranger behind you instead of for yourself. <laughs> I like that take. Uh, the... Um... One of the things that's been affecting the markets these last few days, if you remember, Canada, on behalf of the United States, Canada arrested a tech company executive. Well, Toronto is now saying that a former Canadian diplomat has been detained while visiting Beijing. A person familiar with the matter said that a guy named Michael Kovrig was detained Monday night in Beijing during one of his regular visits to the city. So it looks like a a little um, ongoing tete-a-tete between Canada and China. Well, China had issued some warnings to Canada of consequences for arresting. Yeah, and I know that they had already beckoned the, if that's what's the right word, they beckoned the Canadian ambassador and the American ambassador, I believe, to China to talk about all of this. So, um, All right. This is a frustrating story, and I'm going to do it with as much sensitivity as I possibly can. There will be a heavy police presence at Cal State Northridge today and tomorrow. And there is a change in final exams after a couple of threats directed at the campus. There was an expletive-filled letter found at the university's Redwood Hall last night threatening to hurt faculty and students tomorrow. This is the second threat that has been made on campus about tomorrow. As part of the note, it said, I'm killing as many blank as I possible can. I have a question. Yeah. What starts tomorrow at Cal State Northridge? Finals. Oh, 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 oh. Right. Now, you and I will look at this and say somebody just wants to get out of finals. But for kids that go to Cal State Northridge that have finals tomorrow, I feel for them. And you don't get to say that they don't get to feel anxious or worried or any of that because you're not 21 and you're not sitting in that seat. No. Let me say, I have had conversations with my kids about this exact type of threat against a school. And I have said to them, in the 25 years that I've worked in this in this business, not, not in law enforcement, and I'll make that very clear, but in the 25 years that I've worked in this business – where we're hyper aware of things like threats against schools and school shootings themselves, I cannot recall one time where someone leveled a threat like this against a school like this at a specific time like this and then carried it out. And right. I, I would but be hard-pressed to find law enforcement could... 
to do uh, to say the same thing. Somebody could argue to you, well, maybe this is the first time. And how am I supposed to focus on my finals when I'm dealing with that kind of trauma which, going on in my head? Which is exactly why I am not the president of Cal State Northridge or the chief of police there at Cal State Northridge. Because what they said today makes perfect sense. Even if I think, even if I think this is not necessarily the right thing to do, this is the right thing to do. There is not an imminent threat. However... Because student anxiety is high, which will affect their performance on finals, I have directed all faculty who have examinations on December 12th to provide alternative examination options for their students that would not require students to be physically present on campus Wednesday, tomorrow, December 12th. Faculty will be communicating the specifics of their plans with their students. Based on the threat assessment, the campus will remain open on Wednesday. Any employees that we have who may have questions are encouraged to contact their supervisors. Here's the thing, you, that was the move they had to make. Yeah. Uh, now I'm wondering, is this is 2018 and the number of shootings and the frequency of shootings we have seen in, in recent months and years. If this would have happened 20 years ago, if these if these threats were at your high school or my high school, would we see a similar reaction? And I think absolutely not. No. But then again, we also grew up in a time when there it was highly unusual to see a police car parked out in front of your school. Yeah. Now – Everyone's got a school resource officer on campus all the time, it seems. So it's it would be different. I mean, if we saw a couple of cop cars parked out in front of my high school, s- something's going down. Somebody, Someone got arrested. Somebody got arrested for drugs. That is awesome. That is going to be so cool. Whereas today, if you see a couple of cop cars in front of a school, the assumption is that there's a there's been a threat or something horrific has happened. And again, I I, I agree with this. They they have to do this. I mean. The police chief, Ann Glavin, went on to say that they are going to bring in uh, literally a, a – I don't know if you want to call it a SWAT team. They're, they're bringing in a team of officers from all of the Cal State uh, campuses that will be able to respond at a moment's notice if something were to go down. So what happens with the next school that starts finals – uh, and and the next school and the next school like you know will kids see this and and, and hear this response and then say oh, I don't want to take my finals let's well, shut that down let's here, go scrawl a note in the bathroom here's the good thing they're not closing the campus and the good thing is they're not saying we're going to cancel school on Wednesday what they're saying is we know that this could cause people to have some adverse reactions so we we're know moving that it's, the finals we, we know that it's ten but they're not saying we're canceling school everybody gets an A. They're saying we're going to leave it up to the professors to figure out how they can apply these, how they can uh, give these finals Nick, do you know without what, people going to class. Do you know what they're doing? Uh, you're our CSUN representative correspondent. Yeah, it sounds like some teachers are kind of setting up their own thing. Like uh, my girlfriend, for example, has three finals that day. And um, I just texted her right now what she thought about Harrison's uh, Diane Harrison's announcement and if her teachers have set up any online Right. You know, ways to submit stuff online or maybe instead of a test, you write a paper. Um, So I don't know yet from her, but it sounds like that's what some teachers are going to have to do. 
All right. Well, we will stay on top of that. Uh, we also, unfortunately, are on top of this story. The bad gynecologist from USC. Police have dug into his storage unit, and you uh, will believe what you hear was in it when we come back. You know the irony of it? They were probably wearing gloves when they were going through his storage unit. You don't need to make the story worse. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? Gary and Shannon. Well, if you missed the Oval Office reality show this morning with the president, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi all about the border wall, we will replay it for you. Coming up in Swamp Watch in about an hour, it was it was something. Uh, the president has shaped a lot of great reality show moments, and this was another one. And I think you said it best when you said if Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were going to go play his game in his house and, and think they were going to win, they were sorely mistaken. And, and it was a power play, and it was a good one by the president, and he doesn't care. He's made it clear today he does not care about shutting down the government, saying that he'll take credit for it. He wants his wall funding. Um, when we get into the uh, 1 o'clock hour, not only is Neil Savedra going to be here, we're going to do Tasty Tuesday, but there was a, uh, a very strange cold case story from about 15, 17 years ago. Guy disappeared in the swamp down in Florida, and there were questions about whether he was eaten by gators and just disappeared. His mom said that was never the case. She never believed that story, and kept on that story. We'll talk about what she finally figured out and who is now in trouble for his murder. Well, we have reported about Dr. George Tyndall, the gynecologist at USC that for decades was doing exams. Uh, a lot of foreign students that went to him probably didn't know how gynecological exams should go down. And uh, he had some questionable practices and that is putting it very lightly. 71-year-old uh, doctor was being followed by police. Detectives just keeping an eye on him, kind of seeing what he was doing once the uh, the allegations came out last spring. And they said, for the most part, he would just stay in his condo, wouldn't really do anything. But at least on two occasions, he went to a self-storage facility and would go inside a rental unit there storage facility rental unit. So investigators have raided that unit, and we now know what they found. A trove of homemade pornography and a set of photos of naked women in what appear to be medical exam rooms. Yeah. Uh, his lawyer, by the way, didn't answer any questions about the photos from the storage unit, but uh, just said that Dr. Tyndall is adamant that he has never sold, traded, or shared any images of patients he examined while conducting medical examinations at USC. They're not saying that the photos aren't his or that he didn't take them. They're saying, yeah, those are his photos. Yes, he did take them, but he never had sexual thoughts about his patients. He only took the photos for legitimate medical purposes. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... You want to pull the women in the uh, not room? Not only do I want to pull the car over, I'm going to pull the bus over for a second and, and have this conversation. Most of the material, according to the L.A. Times, most of the material were videos and photos showing women that we don't know if they have a connection to USC or not. But some of them were having sex with Tyndall, and it appeared to span 
a time period of at least three decades. Now, here is a fun fact no, I wasn't aware of. No, this is not of. a fun fact. It's not fun at all, and it terrifies me. Dr. George Tyndall and his wife ran a boudoir photography business called Glamour Light through the 90s and 2000s. I have an issue with that. You're a gynecologist, and you're running a boudoir photography I'm fine studio. with that. What I'm not fine with are pictures of women at gynecological exams. Listen, one year, I got poison oak really bad. I go to the doctor, and I mean, I'm allergic to it, and it, it was just everywhere. And he said, can I bring in my medical students to show them how bad this can get? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. And then he came back, and so the kids come in, you know, the young medical students, they come in, and they're looking at my arm, which is just puff, is this big. And he says, can I take pictures of this? Because I've never seen poison oak so bad. I said, absolutely. I get that. But if you're in the stirrups in a gynecological exam, well, the, the cameras never come out. There's no excuse for the cameras to come out. Like, no, no. what, what his, excuse is that? Like, his what excuse medical was, purpose? His excuse was he wanted to be able to convince his patients, for example, that they didn't have genital warts. Because I guess there was an epidemic of genital warts going through some of the well, sororities at USC. Well, is his word good enough? Isn't a doctor's word good enough? He has to show you uh, pictures? There's no excuse for this. There's no excuse. Uh, just because he ran a boudoir photography studio with his wife in the 90s and the 2000s does not mean he's a perv. But if you have a male gynecologist and after the exam, whatever it it, it entails, and he, you know, flip flap, uh, takes off those gloves and he goes, hey, by the way, uh, I don't know if you're interested, but here's a card for my side business. It's boudoir photography. Well, when you add up all of the things we now know about him, shouldn't USC have yes. had a peaked interest? Because not not only was it the boudoir business, but remember his license plate? Co-ed doc? Yeah. I'm sorry. The guy the school gynecologist has that license plate. And even I don't know. Even the use if, of co-ed is just kind of dirty to me. Even if they say that the majority of these pictures or videos, pictures and videos, show a bunch of women that we just simply do not know if they had a connection to the university. The fact that this guy is storing them, and it's not it's not medical style pictures that you would find, you know, his excuse for taking some of these very close-up pictures of, of uh, anatomy, his excuse was that he was doing research on specific things. But if, he, no. if his research is then to stick him in a storage unit and go visit that storage unit every romantic Wednesday night, that's a, that is a bad, bad guy. By the way, USC is already in the process of settling the $215 million class action suit I'm curious to see if this is going to if the lawyers are going to go. You know what? On second thought, let's make that closer to about 415 million dollars. All right, I got to follow up on Nick's pay it forward drive-through Starbucks story. Apparently, this has happened to people around the holidays at McDonald's, in and out. There are good people in the world. And then Wanda wrote in and said there is a Christian radio station in the Inland Empire, KSGN. 
They do what's called the drive-through difference. It's usually on Wednesdays. However, it can be done any day of the week, but it's a way of paying it forward and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. People have the option to download a small card from the website, and when you pay for the person behind you, you can simply ask the barista to give them that card and say the person in front of you already paid for your tab. person can ask the barista what the total is. They don't leave a random amount of money. I've had this happen to me, and I've done it before. It's an awesome feeling, Shannon. Your belief that this is a setup from Starbucks, LOL, it's funny. Hey, who knows? Just wanted to let you know this is an actual thing. <laughs> I love that well, someone called out it, your cynicism, well, but I totally think it's tr- it's possible. Even if it is a Starbucks thing, that's not really a cynical thought. Like, that's a cool thing that Starbucks is doing, right, to give people good vibes during the holidays. Yeah, but it's cynical because they're the ones who are getting the good PR out of it. It's not like Nick isn't well, Nick isn't getting... extolling the virtues of the woman driving the uh, 06 Buick LeSabre, whoever true. she might be, that great mysterious woman with the heart of gold. That's yeah, true. so they're kind of Starbucks should be like uh, slacktivists in this in this instance, <laughs> where they're where they're taking all the credit, right. and Virtue signaling for someone who who paid it forward. Why don't they do something with that money instead of buying people coffee drinks? I'm just saying something better. Yeah, it's I mean five bucks. I'm saying. Go donate to or a how about nonprofit, this? How perhaps? About this? That Starbucks come up with uh, a plan that every time somebody there you go. pays it forward, oh, they'll good. donate so much money to something. Yeah. Or match. I don't know. Can't people just pay for someone's coffee without having to do more? <laughs> When's the last time you paid for I'm going to do it today. No, you're not. I'm going to do it today. I think you should just Same go through Shannon. the drive-thru and simply say, I don't want to order anything. I'm just going to stay in line, and whatever the person behind me orders, I will pay for That's it. That's a little above and beyond. If you do that, Shannon, uh, you should document that. Yeah. Got it. You should roll on that. Got okay. it. What would happen if you go Thanks through the drive-thru and they're like, what would you like? Just to... Just, just to, to pay for the guy. Just, keep on up just to get a warm feeling in my heart. Is that, is that weird what you're or is that nice? That would be very Can you weird. order a warm feeling in Who your does heart? does that? Wow. How much is that? You guys are back. a room full of apples. That's uh, a red flag right there. PG&E is uh, looking to step up their wildfire safety, they say. We'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Shannon, the top of the hour, we're going to get into our trending stories, those stories that uh, making the rounds on social media. At 1230, we're going to get into Swamp Watch, a bunch of stuff in Washington, D.C. to tell you about. Tasty Tuesday comes along at 1.30. Neil Savage is going to join us. We have uh, for weeks now been covering the aftermath of the campfire, the one burning up in uh, that burned up in Butte County and destroyed the town of Paradise. Tense times in the PG&E PR offices, I would imagine. There are a number of lawsuits and increased regulatory scrutiny following the campfire. Uh, PG&E has announced this week now another series of safety measures that they say will reduce wildfire risks. Yeah, what they say is they're going to go do... Safety inspections, you'd think, why haven't they done them before? They say they're going to do more detailed safety inspections of 5,500 miles of transmission lines, uh, ground, climbing inspections, aerial imagery by drones, and in some cases, helicopters. 
to further complement and enhance the visual inspections. Also said it would do more to trim overhanging branches and limbs directly above and around power lines. Um, trees that are at an increased risk of falling onto the lines, also expanding its network of weather stations, adding 1,300 more stations by 2022. Uh, interesting that PG&E said it's going to take an additional step to help the community of Paradise. They say they're going to name a rebuilding officer to work with local officials. If I work for PG&E, and my boss comes to me and says, hey, we want you to be the rebuilding officer in the city of Paradise. Uh, no. <laughs> that person is going to be the most hated person in the city of Paradise. That That is not a job I think right. anybody it, wants. Right. Uh, I'm here to make sure this never happens again. Well, screw you. It should have never happened in the first place. You yeah. knew you had problems with transmission lines in the days and the weeks leading up to that fire. Furthermore, you even looked into shutting off power because you knew the weather was going to have uh, to include these winds. And then didn't. And, and then didn't. So screw and you, sir. One of the other uh, sidelights of the story that came out of Paradise was the number of missing people. We saw the list expand to several hundred at one point and then thankfully was uh, whittled down by detectives, by people in the community who would simply find uh, the find their name on a list and realize that they hadn't really checked in with anybody and somebody thought they were missing. So that's the good news. There was also a, a segment of the population, a very small group of people, that have come to be known as the Angels of Paradise. These are people who, well, you know these people. People who can go online and find anything out about anybody. Uh, usually it's used for evil. <laughs> like when I uh, it's you. In. Usually it's me. <laughs> anyway, uh, they know how to, to work the system. They know how to find people. And they've been putting their skills to use for good. They're called, as you said, the Angels of Paradise. Nancy Collins is one of these angels. She's a mom of two. She's a 911 dispatcher. And she volunteers as a search angel. She's somebody who helps adoptees find their biological parents. She knows her way around public records. She knows how to track people down. And she offered her services to the administrator of a Facebook page that was titled Campfire Missing Persons. There so, were panicked posts piling up, and she noticed that. So she said, hey, I'll throw my hat in. I can help. So she and some friends that do this same Online detective work basically would use something like public database or they would find uh, property deeds or, or, or bankruptcy filings or they go to people finding sites like Ancestry.com or online white pages. They would look for cell phone numbers and email addresses of friends or neighbors or relatives, any connection they could to find people who might have information about somebody who was missing or unaccounted for. Now, the the one example uh, was a woman named Delisa Gata, 55 years old. She said she was concerned about her foster father, guy that she knew. Uh, he, she hadn't seen him for years. Apparently, they weren't in very close contact. And she didn't know if her fo foster father, Dale Wingett, had made it out of his home alive in that fire in paradise. Authorities had no information on him. Uh, two weeks, she tried to contact him over and over, and she's losing hope. Uh, then she sees his picture in a local newspaper at a Thanksgiving dinner for survivors in the northern in, in Reading, actually, up there further north. Yeah, so she knows that he's alive. She knows that he made it, but she wants to find him and see if he needs any sort of help, whatever it is. 
And so they alert the sheriff's office. They did online searches. They tried called, uh, calling family at a property management company, and they found out that he had left Reading and was going to go to Willows, about 80 miles uh, south on I-5. They call every hotel in Willows. Which there's By like... the way, there's four. <laughs> I mean, that. Okay, it's not, I've been to Willows. It's not like saying they called every hotel in Santa Monica. <laughs> right, it's right, right. every hotel in Willows, and there's three of it's them. It's still a good story, though. Yes. Um, and they told everybody in Willows, hey, if he checks in, can you give me... Can you give him this message? And and also about Willows, it's a super small town, so you're going to get somebody on the horn when you call the front desk. It's not going to be a 1-800 number with a recorded message, and most likely that person's going to help you out because, again, small-town America. There was another example as well. Diana was looking for her father's best friend, a guy named Russell Anderson. And Anderson is 70, uh, lived very simply like a lot of people in paradise, no cell phone or Internet. And she said she knew that that was going to – he was going to be hard to find. Russell had no kids, uh, was close with his ex-wife's daughter, um, but this woman did not know the ex-wife's daughter's last name. So with just the bits of information that Diana has about her father's best friend, Russell, they're able to put together this puzzle and find out that Russell is fine. We were wrong about the number of hotels. There aren't four there are six. Oh, okay. So instead of... Uh, I knew someone would email us. Instead of seven minutes on the phone, it <laughs> took about 13 minutes on the phone with every hotel in Willows. Um, so anyway, there, there are people out there that just continue to work, even backstage, even um, you know outside the spotlight. I just read a Facebook post. I've, re- I've talked about this before. A friend of mine that I went to college with, uh, lived in paradise and is an artist. She lives there, uh, not off the grid, but uh, how about one step removed from the grid? Yeah. Say it like that. And lost everything in the fire. Lost all of the canvases that she had been working on. Lost her computer that had all of her records on it and everything. And uh, she wrote a Facebook post just yesterday saying that she had finally moved back into town. She was ready to start back up at school. She's getting a master's degree. And in the uh, the friend's home that she's staying in, in Chico, above uh, in the bathroom is a, one of her paintings that this friend had purchased a couple of years ago and put up. And she said it was just an amazing thing to be able to see what, not that she, she knew that the painting wasn't lost, but she never thought that she would see it again. As an artist, sometimes you sell your paintings and right. it goes off somewhere you never expect you're going to see it again, even if you sell it to a friend. And she said it, she just broke down crying, looking at that painting, knowing that was one of the paintings that she did in that studio in Paradise that's now burned to the ground and gone forever. But just it was a touching reminder that there's a lot of people up there who are going through all kinds of crap for the next couple of years, potentially. All right. Coming up next, Mayor Garcetti has a rough go of things at USC. But first... The first annual Holiday Lights is now open evenings from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. It's a campus-wide outdoor evening celebration featuring thousands of lights, LEDs, lasers, 3D projections, projections, and more. We've got a four-pack of tickets to experience Holiday Lights. Yes, we're going. No, we're not going. We're giving them away. To caller number, you pick. Six. 1-800-520-1KFI. 
1-800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. Yeah. The uh, calendar of events and tickets available now as well at reaganlibrary.com backslash lights. Do you want me to get you tickets to this for no, Christmas? No, it's fine. We never did talk about Descanso Gardens. You went through there too, didn't you? Yeah. I felt like it would have been better if I was high. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Boy, you can cool it down. I need a fool around. Just want to dance, dance, dance. Dance, dance, dance. I know you want me, but I don't care, baby. Just want to dance, dance, dance. Dance, dance, dance. Gary and Shannon getting reports out of uh, Strasbourg, France, a city near the German border, that there was a shooting at a Christmas market. The local police haven't said a whole lot other than an incident is happening in Strasbourg, but they're asking people not to relay false rumors. Uh, France 24 uh, News Channel has been saying that at least one person has been killed in eastern France, but... At this point, we don't know a whole lot. This is uh, from the Guardian newspaper as well. One person killed, three injured in a shooting in Strasbourg. The local fire department said several shots had been fired uh, this evening in the center of the city on the German border near the city's iconic Christmas market. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if anything uh, new comes out of that in the next few minutes or so. Yeah, I'm just looking at video that the mirror has has put up on its website and you can see a small alleyway just strewn with lights and then some um, some bodies there, some people running. Um, where was the Christmas? Where was the Christmas Mart? Berlin. Berlin. That was somebody drove into it, was yeah. it three years ago or so. Yeah, that chilling video catching people uh, just running. Just running away from the area, and yes, at least two bodies, or at least two people down. Again, that's Strasbourg, France, out near the uh, the border with Germany, so we'll keep an eye on that. Well, yesterday, Mayor Garcetti went to what he thought was going to be um, friendly territory at USC to start talking about the Universal Declaration of... Sorry, yawning in the middle of that. The 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. That must have just been an absolute stunner of a speech. I mean, the one where you get up on your feet, you just start applauding wildly. He was less uh, than a minute into his address in front of an audience of about 350 people in this auditorium when he was interrupted by a series of protesters. The first man uh, to speak accused Garcetti of trying to suppress the formation of a Skid Row Neighborhood Council. On and on. He, he, as he was speaking, somebody started singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Several people did. But with the verses, you better watch out, you better not cry, Eric Garcetti is telling us lies. Human rights violations happening now. A demonstrator stood up, accused the city of throwing away homeless people's belongings, including medicine and personal documents during tent sweeps. 
This was not something that I think the mayor should have hung his hat on. Remember saying on the steps of City Hall, I'm going to eradicate homelessness. It's a it's a naive thought. It's a very ambitious plan, and it's just not feasible with, with the way Skid Row has exploded. And there are many advocates, and they are loud, and they are proud, and they are fighting for the homeless people to be able to live on the street like that and not have the rules where they have to clean up their tents or whatever at 6 a.m. or whatever the rules are. For clearing the streets. Uh, about 20 minutes into this uh, sparring back and forth that the that the uh, mayor did with these protesters, an event organizer walks to the stage and thanks Eric Garcetti. He walks away without ever having delivered his speech. That's too bad. This is what – how in the world do you possibly think that, that that is an okay thing? What are you? What message did you send to Eric Garcetti other than you're an apple who doesn't know how to communicate with City Hall? I don't know how it's going to play out for him when he starts running for president he and the, the pictures that will be broadcast of Skid Row. Two words. Uh, Skid Row before Eric Garcetti, Skid Row after Gar- <laughs> You know, it's just, it's not good. It's not good literal optics. Two words. Typhus. That's it. That's what's yeah. going to doom whatever plan he has to go to Iowa with the president. I want to be president sticker in his uh, forehead. That it's, it just will not happen. Um, after the event, Steve Diaz, an organizer with the L.A. Community Action Network, said his group wanted homeless housing to be built faster and for the city to stop the police sweeps of homeless camps. What do you, I don't I, I'm I'm confused about how that helps homeless people. More. It's more, all about their rights, Hoff. I know. But listen, more homeless housing. Let's just assume if that if that's what you do is you build more. Let's build a they thousand don't wanna, beds. Some of them don't want to be in housing. A thousand beds today. A magically a boom. I here's a building a thousand beds. Not only do you house a thousand people, you invite five thousand more because now you've got the services that are available for them. And 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 you're never doing enough. You're never, ever doing enough. I just think that it's a very dangerous road to go down when you're shouting down people who, by the way, are going to be your biggest advocates when it comes to the homeless uh, population problem. But, no. Silly. You're sounding very, um, uh, like a hard hard liner today. Not a lot of feeling, not a lot of emotion. Is this because you're getting ready to go see uh, Love Actually the Musical and you know you're going to be feeling lots of things? No, I'll stop. I haven't gotten that look for a really long time. It was over the top of the glasses. Sorry, I should have, I should be more judicious in my use of my over-the-glasses look. It, it, the message was loud and clear. Got it. Coming up next, everything everyone's talking about will get you all cut up, caught up here on Gary and Shannon. Shannon, at the bottom of the hour, we'll get into some uh, Washington, D.C. stuff, uh, including this weird, I mean, we've talked about the meeting today in the Oval Office being a reality show, but what about the marriage between Kellyanne Conway and her husband, George? This is the weirdest couple 
not since Mary Matlin and uh, uh, that the bald guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's got it. Uh, the hell is his name? George Carlin. Thank you. No. Just kidding. It's Harville. Harville. James, James Harville. Carville. Yes. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he, uh, Mr. Conway hates the president. Kellyanne makes her living defending him. So we'll dig into that. A uh, lot to get to right now, though. Time for What's Happening. You've heard us talk about reports of a shooting in Strasbourg near the city's very popular Christmas market. The... Regional authorities have confirmed an incident is underway. Stay calm. Follow the orders that will be giving, advising people to stay informed. Several injured, according to BFM TV. The Telegraph also reporting that the fire department in the city said one person was dead, three people and injured. Uh, According to them, a man opened fire on the crowd with an automatic weapon in the city center there. And according to the mayor, the shooter has not been caught, and they've advised people to go indoors. There's video posted on Twitter of uh, some people that appear to be in the street kind of checking out, seeing what's going on, maybe peeking out of a business. It's about 8 o'clock there, p.m., and you can hear an officer in the back in French say, uh, take cover, terrorist. The... uh... What is it? The Guardian newspaper says the interior minister in France described this incident as a serious security event and has been warning people, like you said, to stay indoors, avoiding uh, telling people to avoid the area near the Strasbourg City Police headquarters there. And again, this is Strasbourg, France, very eastern part of France, right along the border with Germany. Um, So we'll get an update. In fact, uh, the next segment, I think we'll spend a little bit more time talking about it. Uh, the other big thing that's trending today right now is uh, Trump, Pelosi, Schumer, any combination of those names, uh, the hashtag Trump, uh, Trump shutdown, all because of this meeting that took place at the White House today. It wasn't just a meeting. It was a shouting match among these three. Mike, Mike Pence was there but did not engage. This is all <laughs> I'm about. I'm sure that was really Mike Pence. That, this is all over funding uh, for the border wall. Um the president's saying, all right, you, you're threatening me with a government shutdown. Fine. I will I will pull the pull the trigger on that. Um, if, if it means shutting down the government for you all to OK the billions of dollars I want for that border wall, then so be it. Uh, the president claimed that because Nancy Pelosi was working to nail down the votes to become speaker, and that's still a question, that she was in a situation where it's not easier for her to talk right now, which, by the way, is 100 percent true. And then Nancy Pelosi says, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting. Okay. I mean, he called her out in public, which is, you know, uncool, but 100% true. And this appeared to be sort of a race to the bottom where they were going to try to out-argue each other. But in all honesty, the president wins at that game. He is the one who plays that game on a regular basis. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were completely out of their league today. We'll play the audio for you coming up in Swamp Watch. Time magazine trending today, the 2018 Person of the Year announced, and it is a group of people, killed and imprisoned journalists. It was revealed today on the Today Show. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, of course, one of them. Uh, The Capital Gazette was the uh, newspaper in the state capital of Maryland, where there was a shooting, five people were killed. Um, and then Wa Lone, 
And Kya So U, a judge in Myanmar, sentenced those two journalists for Reuters to seven years in prison in September because they were um, they broke a law where they could not report on state secrets, I guess, while reporting on the military's mass killing of Rohingya Muslims. So there's a record number of reporters behind bars globally. 262 cases last year, uh, all targeted for the work that they do. There's also a Philippine journalist, Maria Ressa, a former CNN bureau chief who started an online news site in the Philippines, and she got in trouble for, uh, for that as well. Five Marines missing off the coast of Japan for nearly a week have been declared dead by the Marine Corps. They were aboard a KC-130 refueling aircraft, may have been attempting to refuel in midair, uh, an F-18 fighter jet. But this was about 200 miles off the southwest coast of Japan. One of the uh, one of the two pilots aboard the F A eighteen was rescued by Japanese maritime forces that was out there. Another one was recovered six hours later, but was found uh, dead. Both of them were able to eject from the F eighteen, but the KC one thirty is not built like that. KC one thirty is not; it, it's like a big cargo plane, basically. So there's no chance for um, for ejection. Well, it looks like we may have another Brock Turner type of case, this one coming out of Dallas, Baylor University. Um, a woman who says she was raped by a former Baylor University classmate, who was a fraternity president, is very upset over a plea bargain that has been struck to spare this guy from a jail sentence. The judge's decision to accept the plea deal for a guy by the name of Jacob Anderson this is the third time they say that this judge has approved probation for men accused of sexually assaulting Baylor students. She says she was plied with uh, punch uh, alcohol at a party two years ago when she was disoriented. She said this guy led her behind a tent and repeatedly raped her while she was gagged and choked. Well, what's weird is that the DA defended the plea deal back in October saying that the prosecutors got the best deal they could with with the evidence at hand and said that the evidence didn't support the allegation that she may have been drugged. Time out. So let's assume she wasn't, but still was taken behind right. the tent, repeatedly raped. He told <sighs> authorities the sex was consensual. Hmm. All right, when we come back. We're going to try to get an update on what's going on in uh, Strasbourg, France. Report of a shooting at a Christmas market there. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. the bottom of the hour and speaking of a uh, swamp cold case actually one o'clock we'll tell you about this case of a guy went missing 17 years ago uh, police concluded back then that he was killed by an alligator his mom said no i don't think so and she helped solve this mystery of her son's murder we'll tell you what happened The Telegraph is reporting one person has been killed and six injured after a shooting there in the city center of Strasbourg near the city's very popular Christmas market. Um, Police sources telling BFM TV that shots had been fired and that there are several injured. We don't know 
what's going on in terms of the gunman? The report is that the gunman himself hasn't been stopped yet. Uh, Police armed with uh, other semi-automatic rifles of their own have been running through the different uh, areas around uh, Plas Kleber, Mm, something like that. The Um, shooter has reportedly not been caught, and people have been told to stay indoors or go indoors. Uh, An independent journalist based in Strasbourg by the name of Camille Belsauer says... I don't have more info, but soldiers opened fire before my eyes in the center of Strasbourg and mentioned an armed man who took them on. Another person who lives in the area, Poussard Bruno, said the situation remains confused, but at about 8 p.m. there were several dozen shots fired in my small street in central Strasbourg, two or three at first and several volleys. Uh, All of the buses to the area the trams have been stopped uh, security officials have cordoned off the area in this uh, again this is strasbourg france way in the eastern part close to the border with germany uh, it happened close to a christmas market in one of the central squares you mentioned the uh, the berlin truck attack from a couple of years ago that's when a truck was driven into the christmas market near berlin uh, in berlin and that killed 12 people and injured 56 others. There was another one. The truck's original driver, if you remember, was the one who was found shot dead in the passenger seat. And then the perpetrator, uh, a Tunisian guy, was eventually killed in a shootout with police near Milan in Italy about four days after the actual attack. It's always such a terrible juxtaposition of all of the the lights and the decorations of Christmas and then all of the first responder lights and police response lights to a terrorist-type attack at at a Christmas market or a Christmas celebration. And, you know, you don't even – a lot of, obviously, the tweets that are coming out of Strasbourg are going to be in French, but you don't have to be able to read French to understand what's going on. There are several videos of from apartments, it looks like, above the main shopping area, a couple of floors up where you can you can see bodies on the ground and people attending to the people who had been hit and uh, if you see them on TV you're going to see them you're going to see them blurred out because they're pretty graphic but people have been posting their point of view uh, of what they see from there and it's just incredible there are a couple of others as well saying that french army members are on the streets of strasbourg i don't know if they're military members or not it's just they may simply be police wearing uh, the olive drab uh, camouflage-style outfits. I don't know if it's the military that's been called in, but again, I don't know how the French uh, response would work to that. The BBC now reporting that, yes, one person has been killed, according to them, six others injured, and that the shooter is still at large. A uh, press officer for the European Parliament says that there was just a panic in, in the area following the sound of gunfire, and police with guns were running through the street. That European Parliament is based there in Strasbourg, a few blocks away from the square. And I guess, like you said, they were on lockdown. A a Maltese member of the European Parliament, Roberta Metzola, said she was on a lockdown. All the Maltese journalists and her assistants in that same area were safe. A press officer for the European Parliament said that there was a great panic and everyone got to the ground in restaurants around the, uh, around the square there before the parliament building itself was placed on lockdown and how difficult is that job for those officers there now um it's dark they've told everyone to go inside this guy's still at large he could be hiding out in a number of of different buildings or shops or wherever um there were some people that had kind of 
poked their heads out of a business, and it looks like a restaurant or something, to see what was going on. You could see all the police cars, and you could hear the police officers shouting in the background, get in the shelter, terrorist. There's a photo on Sky News and who knows where and where that came out that has it just shows the police wrestling some guy to the ground. And obviously in that situation could be anything. Um, And they also say that this market is apparently a very popular one and attracts millions of tourists a year. Been around forever, too. I mean, it's been around for 500 years, I think. Uh, It started in 1570. Strasbourg's beautiful place. Um, witnesses said, again, Strasbourg, France, the scene of this shooting, it appears in a uh, Christmas market. The shots were fired at what it would be what would be about seven o'clock uh, Strasbourg time. Witnesses said this gunman had fired several times in several different places. And the center of the city went into lockdown. Police were asking residents to stay home. Restaurants were ordered to close and not let customers leave. I mentioned that the European Parliament is currently sitting in Strasbourg. The members of European Parliament were sent a message to advise those that were eating, please stay inside, don't go out. And uh, it read, decision has been taken as a precautionary measure to close the European Parliament building there in Strasbourg. We ask you to stay calm and stay safe within EP premises. Several of these members of European Parliament reported that they heard gunfire as well. And uh, whether it was uh, one or two shots, like you said, that one of the witnesses said, and then several others in. uh, So this is a a developing story as they figure out exactly what's going on. You know, those uh, those those little villages that people put out um, around the holidays in their homes, you know, with the lights on and houses and stuff. That's exactly what Strasbourg looks like. At this time of year, like one of those little lighted villages that you set up in your house for the holidays. It's like one of those Christmas, like uh, Frankfurt has one as well. I mean, it looks like these little villages come to life. I mean, obviously we're modeled off of places like Frankfurt and Strasbourg and and all that. But Um, at this point, the the main news outlets, the BBC, Sky News, uh, Guardian, The Telegraph, they've all said that at least one person was killed and several more injured. It looks like as many as six uh, one newspaper says as many as nine, so we'll see several different numbers until we get this figured out. Uh, over the course of the next few minutes or a couple of hours, we'll get more information. Gary and Shannon, Swamp Watch when we return. I walk Keep an eye on this uh, story out of uh, eastern France, the city of Strasbourg, right there on the border with Germany. Police in Strasbourg say one person has been killed, uh, as many as six and maybe more wounded in this uh, shooting. The French Interior Ministry confirmed that it was a serious public security incident. And at this point, according to the police in Strasbourg, the gunman himself is still at large. This shooting said to have happened close to a Christmas market in one of the central squares there in Strasbourg, France. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. 
Well, it was a wild meeting, that's for sure, in the Oval Office today between the president, Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. This is all about the president's desire to secure billions for his border wall. Yeah, and the argument going back and forth about, well, there may be a government shutdown and it's going to be your fault, Mr. President, according to Chuck Schumer. Well, Here's how the president responded to that. 20 times you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have said You want to know something? You've said it. Okay, you want to put that on my... You said it. I'll take it. Okay, Okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. And I am proud, and I'll tell you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border But we security. believe you shouldn't okay. shut it down. Thank you very much, oh. everybody. They, just, they looked, they looked like, like high school baseball players going up against major league pitching right there. They were just out of their game. Allie Rogan joins us live from D.C. now with all of the fallout. Allie, was anything really accomplished? today? Well, I think Democrats will say that they accomplished a political goal, which is basically putting all of the blame for the shutdown. The president is readily accepting it, the blame and or the credit, depending on how you view these things. But Democrats were chomping at the bit. I mean, the president is talking about, I'm willing to shut down the government. I own it. And they're like, "Uh, okay. I mean, it just, I see this as playing directly into their political playbook uh, in terms of policy, I think it's still anybody's guess how this actually uh, works out because uh, there didn't seem to be much progress done on policy. And remember, uh, funding for DHS, which runs the border security uh, apparatus, runs out December 21st, so just 10 days from now. One of the things the president has said is he would get the military to build this wall. Do you have any idea what he's talking about there? No, because Congress controls funding for the military, and the military has um, already devoted some um, personnel to going down and um, uh, providing backup security on the uh, the border. But um, the president doesn't have unilateral discretion to direct the military to uh, reappropriate their own funds, you know, funnel them from one program to another. And... You know, uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis has been pretty clear already when he's brought into these discussions about the U.S. border wall that, you know, he sees his job as defending the homeland from threats foreign, overseas, not necessarily um, from uh, a domestic perspective. So I think uh, if the president is seeking to to say that the military, he can just tell them what to do and and tell them to build the wall down there, I think that's going to be met with, with significant resistance. How has the uh, the fallout been there in D.C. from this morning's uh, S show, for lack of a better term? I saw that Nancy Pelosi uh, had some choice words for the president this afternoon. Yes, she was saying things like, you know, if you get into a tickle fight with a, a skunk, uh, you just get stuff all over you. I'll keep it at that. Uh, and the skunk likes it. Um, you know, they're basically acknowledging that, yeah, they mixed it up with the president, but nobody ends up happy when uh, you just end up 
uh, arguing with one another in a meeting. Um, and uh, at this point, they're basically, I mean, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said the president just threw a temper tantrum and he can't get what he wants that way. And I mean, we'll have to see. But uh, the president was insisting that he had votes where, um, you know, Chuck and Nancy said he didn't. And Nancy Pelosi will be the incoming House Speaker. So she's, you know, holding a lot of uh a lot of cards as we go forward. Um, so folks in Washington are just reeling sort of from this incredibly unique interaction that we all just witnessed, the type that uh, usually takes place behind closed doors. It just played out like the greatest reality show any of us have ever seen. So I think everyone's just kind of trying to pick up the pieces now and figure out where we go from here. All right. Allie, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Allie Nancy, Rogan there. Nancy Pelosi saying it's like a manhood thing for him. As if manhood could ever be associated with him, this wall thing. Jeez. Oh, Do we have to By race way, to the bottom? The here? winner, the winner in all of this, Mike Pence. You know why? Because he, he didn't say a damn up. thing. He just sat there. Seriously, though, Nancy Pelosi talking about the president's Don't, manhood. Listen, must it, we? If you're gonna, you can't. Must? You cannot beat Will that you? guy at that game. No, you, you can't. cannot beat that guy they at that game. Known He's that. proven They it. should have walked right out. Just walk right out. Yeah. Or hey, when the president was done speaking, he says, "Hey, Nancy, would you like to say a few things?" And and she said, "Yes, thank you, Mr. President." And then blah 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 blah. And then stepped on her own junk. And then that's gross. And then he walked out and stomped on it a couple extra times. I mean, you cannot win that game against that guy. You cannot do that. So next time you find yourself, Nance. Chuck, in that situation, just politely decline to say anything in front of reporters. You are not going to win. I don't mind if that type of a conversation plays out in private. In fact, I expect that kind of a conversation to play out in private. Rich wrote to us on Twitter, the fact that Gary and Shannon are siding with Donald Trump, a.k.a. individual number one, is a joke. Trying to spin that disaster in Trump's favor. I'm not siding with the president on anything. I'm just saying... Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer should be smarter politically to walk in to the the lion's den, which is exactly what they did today. The optics did not look good for them. They're they're never going to roar louder than that lion. They're never going to do that. And I, I totally agree. It's 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 not that there is um, that that I'm supporting him one way or the other in whatever policy he seems to be trying to push at this moment. It's just that they blew it. They walked in there and they just blew it. If they want to, going forward, spin congressional Democrats as the heroes for the United States of America, then stop playing the president's game. Stop it. Here's the thing. They can't ignore, they shouldn't ignore um, the number of people in this country that do want that wall. It's many people it is people probably that didn't even vote for the president that want that wall at the border and for them to say well you're going to have the government shut down that shows a lack of uh perspective about all the people in the country that that care about the wall and care about border security and couldn't give two shakes of a lamb tail about that was very soft of you the to government say. shutdown 
they nobody cares. You ask you ask anybody in your life what what is a government shutdown? It's only going to be a couple of people that can answer the nuances of what that means. For the most for the most people, they they think government shutdown. They think, well, great, let's shut down the government. Hell yes, power to the people. You know what I mean? Nobody really cares. There's there's no feelings or passion about a government shutdown. Conversely, this wall strikes right to the heart of a lot of people and their right. passions. So for the president to make a big show of it today as I don't care about the government shutdown, I care about the wall, he spoke to so many people and he and he won right there. Hmm. Now, we should probably tomorrow oh I won't be here. But tomorrow you could yes. get into uh what that means for the government to be shut down as right. long as this thing gets who gets paid, who doesn't. By the way, ironically, Border Patrol and Ingust- uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, those guys, yeah. it, they're still on the job in a government shutdown. Yes, um, but there are ramifications of a government shutdown, and this thing could last months. I mean, if he's if he's serious about digging his heels in and not budging at all when it comes to the billions he wants to build this wall. This could go on. And when's the last time? When's the last time you saw a politician say, "Yeah, I'll wear that." You want to give? You want blame me right. for the government shutdown? I'll take it. Right. Rather than it's not me, it's you. It's not my stink. It's your stink. I'm not the one who farted. You... Went too far. We'll continue swamp watch in just a moment. That Gary was like and... that was like Nancy Pelosi talking about manhood. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. No, it wasn't. All you have to do is wait for a second. Shannon. Lana also tweeted and said they will roar when he is in jail. We're talking about not going into the lion's den. Uh, that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi should have known what they were getting into and just stayed above the fray and not said anything. Uh, Lana then wrote, I thought Mexico was going to pay. Yeah, there's that too. Trumpsters. Listen. He did promise that Mexico would play, pay for the raw. That's wall. brilliant. Why? Then why didn't they say that? They waited until they got outside to say something like that. Yeah, well, that's that's a reason why you and I have come down with this opinion today. Uh, it's because they were never going to win the zinger war with this guy. Uh, Tom wrote to us, Gary, Shannon, we're fans of your show. However, you sometimes seem to be totally out of touch when it comes to Trump. He looked like an idiot today, much worse than <laughs> Pelosi or Schumer. Get out and talk to people and learn what's really going on. It's past time you start holding this president accountable for his oh, actions. Boy. Yeah. Um, Listen, I, I, it was a race to the bottom, and it, the yes. guy, and he won. Yes. He won that race. He's always going to win that race. It was, a, uh, it was an S show. And yes. by the way... They're not going to walk away from that feeling like I, – I don't think they should walk away from that feeling like they won. They they lowered themselves to his uh, to his level of rhetoric, and he is going to own that conversation. He's going to own it, and he did today. I'm not saying anybody looked like a, a, a superstar there. I mean they looked like uh, kids fighting on the playground, but he did outwit them when it comes to the optics of it. And the power involved. Yeah. It's just like they went into the bare knuckle fight not knowing that that guy, that's all that guy does. That's that's how he fights. That's how he wins those conversations. 
Uh, Chief of Staff is another job, much like the host of the Oscars, that uh, nobody seems to want. The White House Chief of Staff, of course, John Kelly's departure is imminent by the end of the year or early next month. Those two no longer on speaking terms, apparently. And the president's number one choice, Nick Ayers, says, "Uh, no, I'm going to take some time and focus on my family. Uh, That's crap because Nick Ayers is 36 years old, a rising political operative star in D.C., and he just doesn't want this job where it doesn't seem like you can win uh, to be in, in this role. So where will the president turn? There are a handful of names, but today at the White House, the president uh, poo-pooed any any talk of the fact that no one wants this job, saying, I've got a many people, many good people that want this, and I'm just not in a rush to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, we've seen other names outside of um, Nick Ayers. So we saw Mark Meadows, the congressman from uh, North Carolina, the Treasury Secretary. We talked about him yesterday. The U.S. Trade Representative, that would be an interesting one, Robert Lighthizer. And then the Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney. That's just, uh, I mean, a few of the names. And the president said there are many, more than 10, uh, who have come forward to him and suggested that they would take the job if offered. So uh, I I don't know who to believe on that one. Uh, I can't imagine that anybody who wants that job believes that it's an easy job. They know very well that that would be a very difficult job. Speaking of which... Being married to Conway has got to be very difficult. Whether it's Why George Conway or Kellyanne Conway. Oh, I thought you were talking about Tim Conway. No, Jr. no, sir, ma'am. Sorry, whatever. But this, this to me proves something about politics. That the game of politics is a game. We saw that today in this news conference. We saw that. I mean, we see that so many times when people get so wrapped up in the game of politics and then try to ascribe qualities to it that would be life-altering when in all honesty it changes very few people's lives george conway has been married to kellyanne conway for 17 years george conway is a prominent conservative attorney former member of the republican party who tells people that he voted for donald trump but then realized, according to him, that this whole thing was going to be a dumpster fire. He said he would rather move to Australia than vote for Trump again. He stays out of the limelight. It's Kellyanne Conway that you see all the time. She's the one who's out there uh, most often vigorously defending the president. And he, George Conway, is the guy who sits behind his, uh, his Twitter machine and lobs insults at the president. Now... They're playing a political game. When they go home, is it not a thing? I don't think they talk about it. So it's proof to me that it's just a game. It's just They've a got, job for them. They have four kids together. There's tons of things for them to talk about that doesn't include Donald Trump once they get inside the house. Like Mary Matlin and George Carville. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of politics is something that people work at, whereas If you're an observer on the outside and you start to lose your mind and you start shouting down politicians who are making speeches, you're wasted. They don't think it's that serious. Here's a a fun idea. Maybe Kellyanne Conway doesn't buy the goods that she sells. What? You mean it's a job? Right. What? Maybe. I hope they have a nice family. You like holiday lights. I do. 
The first annual Holiday Lights now open evenings from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Campus-wide, outdoor, evening celebration that features thousands of lights and LEDs and lasers and 3D projections and more. We have a four-pack of tickets to experience Holiday Lights. They're at not, the Reagan Presidential Library. Yeah, they're not for you. Well, they're I've for, given up on that. They're for caller number six. 1-800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. Yeah. Caller number six wins a four-pack of tickets to experience holiday lights at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. The events calendar and the tickets are also available now at reaganlibrary.com backslash lights. Update on France and a true crime mystery no longer. No longer a mystery. Excellent. <laughs> Next on Gary and Chip. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, France's interior minister, says the suspect in that shooting in Strasbourg at the Christmas market has been identified, does have a criminal record. Here is the very latest. The shooting uh, killed one person, one is dead, 10 more injured in this city center. They say... Although the shooter has been identified, they don't have him. He remains at large. They have not given a motive for the shooting. The European uh, European Parliament building is on lockdown there. No here's, one can leave. Here's an interesting addition to this. The prosecutor in Strasbourg declared that the incident was terrorist-related and announced that an inquiry had been opened into an assassination and attempted assassination. Wow. We were mentioning that the members of the European Parliament are in Strasbourg right now. That's where it's it's uh, seated officially. And some of the members of Parliament apparently were in that area at the time of the shooting. Uh, eat, I mean, 7 o'clock at night. Oh, so okay. eating out yeah. and about. So there may have been specifically somebody targeted if, in fact, they say that they're opening this into uh, assassination and attempted assassination. Well, there was a mystery. A young father who, in December of 2000, a guy by the name of Mike Williams, decided to drive out to Lake Seminole in Florida. And he was going to spend a few hours duck hunting on his boat. This is what he did. This is what Mike did. He was known for great hunting stories, crazy hunting stories. He said he had the best luck of any hunter. Um And this is just how he spent his spare time, except this time, December 2000, he goes out to spend a few hours duck hunting, but he never comes back. Now, the original report, they searched for him for a long time, more than a month, like a month and a half they looked for this guy, but they couldn't find him. And they couldn't find any sort of body, and authorities came up with this decision. And it's to be honest, in Florida, it's not really that crazy that he probably fell over in some sort of a boating accident or fell out of the boat while wearing waders and was eaten by alligators. Uh, The search lasted for 44 days. Uh, The body never found, so that seemed to be the plausible excuse. The gator theory, however, never sat well with Mike's family. It especially didn't sit well with his mom, Cheryl. She couldn't fight that mother's intuition that something more evil had happened to her son. Well, 
Guess, uh, guess who is on trial today for the death of Mike Williams? It is the wife. And to understand how this all unraveled, you've got to go back to the year 2000. Actually, a couple years before then. Because it seems that the wife was having an affair with Mike's best friend for a couple of years. And he admitted this as much. I mean, he was talking about how in 1997, he had a wife. He himself was married. He had a kid from his wife. And he's got this affair with Denise on the side. No one saw this coming, by the way. Right. Uh, Denise and Mike were high school sweethearts. Uh, They went to a Christian school. Um, They were active in extracurriculars throughout high school. He he was voted best personality. She was uh, best dressed. They were very happy. They were excellent in academics. Um, Mike was student council president. Everyone liked him. Everyone liked her. They were this this nice little sugary couple. They they graduate high school in 1988, and uh, they graduate by the way beside the best friend and his soon to be wife. Yeah, Brian Winchester, and then his future bride Kathy. Which I mean, she only plays a minor part in all of this, but the four of them, you know, become two married couples. They both end up going on and having kids. Uh, but that affair between Brian and Denise was the beginning, it appears, of the end of Mike's life. And Denise and Mike, even though they were married and even though they, had, as high school sweethearts, appeared to be perfect for each other, apparently fell out of love. As, they were at each other's throats. As they were approaching their sixth anniversary, they actually had a couple's reti- a retreat planned. Maybe to mend things, maybe to spackle the cracks in their marriage. We will talk about what happened uh, because they never made it to that couple's retreat, obviously, uh, when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Because I'm Shannon, at the bottom of the hour, Neil Savage is going to join us, talk about some tasty Tuesday holiday party things you got to keep in mind if you're planning a get-together. We've been following the story out of Strasbourg, France, just east of, uh, or I should say just west of the border with Germany in eastern France. One lone gunman apparently hit different places around the city center. Uh, millions of tourists go to that city center every year and uh, for the Christmas market Uh, At least 11 other people were hurt after two people were killed. And according to the public prosecutor in Strasbourg, France, they declare this to be terrorism and announced an inquiry had been opened into assassination and attempted assassination. So there is a a chance that there were politicians in the area as well, uh, major political figures with the European Parliament which is in Strasbourg currently. So we'll keep an eye on that story. Telling you the story about Mike and Denise Williams, a young couple approaching their sixth anniversary. Denise was unhappy in the marriage. She she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, She was being pressed by Mike to have a, a child. She just, she wanted out. And so she started conspiring with Mike's best friend, who she was having an affair with, on how to get rid of Mike. The reason we know all of this is because After they killed Mike, she went ahead and married the best friend 
And then that relationship went sour. It went so sour, her new husband was put away for kidnapping her during the <laughs> divorce, which was rather contentious. He's inside lockup, and he recently starts rolling on her. And that's how they found out that Mike wasn't eaten by a gator during his camping trip or a hunting trip, that they killed him, that they conspired to kill him. Yeah, this buddy, this old high school buddy who was having an affair with Mike's wife, was one who helped write a million-dollar life insurance policy six months before he died. Uh, they had about a million, I think it was $1.7, $1.75 million in life insurance out on Mike before he died. And one of those policies was about to expire. Plus, there was a couple's retreat that Mike and his wife, Denise, were going to go on that she was just dreading. So she was conspiring with her uh, affair at the time, her boyfriend at the time, about how they were going to get rid of of Mike. He says that she wanted it to be all on me and not on her. She wanted a scenario in her mind where it wasn't a murder, it was an accident. So they figured out they would go duck hunting, like you were talking about. Uh, the day they were planning, Mike calls and says he wants to put it off. They reschedule for a week later, which would have been the morning of this couple's retreat, retreat that was going to happen. So the buddy, Brian, takes Mike out on a duck hunting trip. They launch their boat into Lake Seminole, and according to Brian, they reach a landing uh, down from where they park their vehicles. Brian gets out. Mike gets to stand up. Brian shoves him overboard. So, again, this is December in Florida, so it's a cool day, chilly weather, wearing a full jacket, wearing waders because they're going to be in the water with their hunting, and that'll weigh you down. Mike got his jacket off, his waders off. He was in a panic, obviously. I was in a panic. I was driving the boat. I didn't know what to do, and I ended up shooting him. He drags the friend's body to the shore, puts him in the back of his Chevy Suburban, pushes Mike's boat back out into the water, and heads back to his house, where his wife was still asleep. He says, I got undressed, got back in bed, and I pretended that I just woke up and that I was late to meet her dad. Yeah, instead, he goes to Walmart, gets some supplies that he's going to need to bury the body, and goes to the end of Gardner Road, just a few miles away from where Mike grew up, and buries the body. That was in the year 2000. If you go to Walmart and buy a tarp and a shovel, do you get flagged? I No, but you should. I mean, there should be something in Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace Hardware, anything where you buy a certain combination of, like, can I get a bag a, of lye? A kill kit. A rope. A hide-a-body kit. Duct tape, black visqueen, and uh, a shovel. Yes, some of, something should, like, they should put a GPS on the shovel. Cheryl knew something was amiss with her son's death, her untimely death. She was relentless uh, back in 2000. Never bought the Gator story. She blastered street corners with posters of him for years. She reached out to experts that informed her that an alligator feeding on human remains on a cold winter day like that was virtually impossible. Denise, by the way, after Mike died, distanced herself from Mike's family cutting off communication between the family and her daughter. While she was doing that, don't forget, she and the guy who ended up killing Mike got married. So Brian and Denise get married, and they're married for 10, 11 years or so before things go south in that marriage. 
And Brian starts getting paranoid that Denise is going to turn him in. And like you said, in August of 2016, he sneaks into Denise's car, holds her at gunpoint, and makes her promise to take their secret about what really happened to Mike to the grave. You've got a theory about affair relationships, that if someone's crazy enough or unstable enough to get into an affair with a married person, all bets are off. Yeah, Like, you, you don't know what you're opening up there. Right. You uh, you paid your bets on that one. Uh, I, uh, paid your bets? You made your made own your bet. bed. Yes, thank, th- and thank you. And you paid your bets. And you paid your bets, whatever. I like that one. Well, now listen, so he goes to trial. Brian goes to trial for kidnapping his estranged wife at gunpoint. And... That's when they come up with this deal. By the way, he's been singing like a canary to his cellmate about this murder in the first place. The well, cellmate goes to cops. Prosecutors say to him, look, you pin this on her, we'll go easy on you. Immunity is what he got. Immunity for the murder. Because he's already locked up for the kidnapping right. for 20-plus years. Yeah. I mean, he's not getting out of jail, but he's definitely not going away for the murder. So he sings. In an hours-long interview last October, he gives cops the information that's going to lead them to his buddy's body that he had buried 17 years earlier. She's on trial today. The first witness on the stand was the officer who responded to a call about a missing duck hunter on Lake Seminole. One of uh, Mike's good friends took the stand after talking about the search that went on and uh, the uh, the hunting jacket that he located, Mike's hunting jacket, why wouldn't he have his hunting jacket? It's all that great murder trial minutia that they're going to go through. Just a, Although they did go hunting. And congratulations to mom, by the way, for having the gut feeling that that was never the case because this would have been closed. I mean, even without a body, they would have just given up on this case. The prosecutor asking the jury today to end the 21 years of sex, lies, and deceit and find Denise guilty of her husband's murder. All right, coming back. Neil Savager is going to join us, the Fork Reporter. We're going to talk about what's going on with holiday parties and how it is you got to start planning now for what's going to be going on in the parties in the coming weeks. I bet my mom's already set the table. For, for Christmas. For Christmas? Does she put a rope around it so that nobody can sit there until Christmas? Everybody knows. Oh. <laughs> she doesn't need a rope. It's an established thing. Yes. Right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. French prosecutors say a terror investigation has been opened into that shooting at the Christmas market in Strasbourg. Two dead. Up to eight wounded, according to authorities there on the ground, including several in critical condition. The investigation is for murder and attempted murder in relation with a terrorist enterprise. The shooter, who is at large, has been identified, does have a criminal record, and the authorities there say he has been flagged as a suspected extremist. Just uh, got word that a uh, judge here in California has ordered Stormy Daniels to pay $293,000 to cover Donald Trump's legal fees. 
Stormy was ordered to pay almost three hundred grand to cover Donald Trump's legal fees. Uh, the other big story out of uh, D.C. was that this closed-door meeting between the president and congressional leaders today, we knew going into it that it was not going to last long considering the public meeting that took place. But after the meeting, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer blasted the president over his threat to shut down part of the government, over funding of the wall. The president, uh, he called the, the, the Oval Office outburst a temper tantrum today, is what he said. Barry Manilow is going to be with Conway tonight. Six. 6.45. And we're talking about the Barry Manilow, too, right? As opposed to an well, imposter? I and mean, like Mary Manilow or something like that that somebody would, you know, I could see it happening. But you're, 6.45 tonight on the Conway Talking about Conway's show. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get Barry Manilow. You're talking about our show. That's where the Mary Manilows come in. That's true. Uh, maybe you don't want to say that in front of your next guest. Boy, we get sucky guests on our show. Oh, my God, you're right. Up next. That guy talks about food. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. That, yeah. No, I'm out. I'm going to go no, on Conway's don't, show. Don't go anywhere. She'll save this with her food joke. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to find a clean one. Hmm? Okay, got it. Oh. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, Shannon. <laughs> why did the donut go to the dentist? I don't know why. To get a filling. <laughs> See. You deliver these punchlines almost with an attitude like, Nick, you're such an idiot. You should know really? that the donut gets a filling. That's not my intention. Yeah, it does sound like that. You don't like, you're not like, to get a filling. <laughs> it's like, to get a filling. Hey, guess what, guys? I'm not a freaking comedian, all right? Oh, wow. Oh, Apparently, you're easy. not sensitive Somebody about it either. Angry. Tell you face on that one. You, you should did. deliver lines more like yeah. that. That was better. I have a donut. <laughs> what did you just say? Have a donut. I do. I would like to have uh, a donut. Neil a Saavedra, the fork reporter, has joined us. This Wait, room whenever is. Whenever you stop on the way home to get a donut at two thirty, uh-huh. it's never a good idea because they're not fresh. Yeah, and then you regret that. it. This is a weird room today. <laughs> it's a weird. There's an energy in here. I'm not sure how to put my finger on. Don't touch but it. But I kind of feel like I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I have to look at both of you simultaneously. And it's really difficult. <laughs> Because it's like one of those scenes where like six ninjas come from the sky and I got to take them all on at once. And I'm like, well, unless they line up, it's going to be a really hard situation. <laughs> I'm going to get a yeah. crick in my neck. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, holiday parties are coming up. Hey, Speaking Nick. Of ninjas. Oh, geez. Yeah. Continues. What kind of donuts can fly? I don't know what, what kind of donuts can fly. A plain one. See, now that, that was good. Much better. That you're not mad at Nick for not knowing. The fourth smile was a little weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah it looked like better. Wednesday Adams or like uh, John Cobalt seeing someone in an elevator at work. You could he hear that. That creepy, that creepy smile like, I swear I'm human and I'm being social. She right delivers now. the punchline and doesn't blink when she looks at yeah. me. She just stares at me. Very well said. I wonder wow. if, she got, if, if her husband ever hears, hey, Craig. I love you. And he goes, okay. You want to put some inflection in that? That doesn't sound like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. Show let's me your hands. About, Show me your hands. Let's what talk are, about what? holiday yes. dinner planning. Holiday plans. <laughs> wow. Pants check. You, uh, holiday dinner pants. planning yeah. with, with, with Harley Quinn. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? Are you the devil? Pudding. Uh, you got This is almost like any other. This is almost like um, 
uh, Thanksgiving in terms of pre-planning some of this stuff. Yeah, the attitude come, is a little different, though. The energies, I don't know what it is about Thanksgiving dinner that everybody thinks it has to be absolutely perfect. Or maybe it's the fact that, that at Christmas time, you have more distractions. Hey, throw up some lights, put right. on some loud There's not really Thanksgiving music or lights, so everything's really focused just on the food. You can do – there's some uh, sleight of hand that you can do during Christmas that you can't get away with with Thanksgiving. So lights, music, a couple things like that. You kind of drink right Sig- out of the bat. Signature cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> right out of the bat. So I think it's an easy – I think it's actually an easier holiday than Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it should be. It should be relaxed. It should be fun. Uh, when it comes to entertaining, it's just like a good letter. You remember being taught how to write a letter? It's going to be the opening line and the P.S. that everyone's going to remember. And it's the same with a party. The very first thing they experience and the very last thing they experience is kind of going to set how they remember the entire event. And just serve lots of alcohol and they won't uh, worry about your food that's not done and to perfection. They may not remember and that they won't last remember part of anything. <laughs> right. Hey, I was at that party that I I remember your driveway when I got there. <laughs> uh, but you can there there there's a lot of things you can do beforehand. I think sometimes people assume that you that it's all got to be made that day or hours before. It's like like a restaurant. Everything's got to come out hot. Right when the person orders it. Right. And it's just not the way things work. And don't put yourself in that position because you will, you will fail. Keep your your immediate items, the one or two things that you're going to cook right before everybody gets there. Otherwise, pre-prep, tons of stuff. There are so many things. Cakes freeze wonderfully. You can make bake a cake, um, put the center frosting in. Wrap it very well. Make sure it's not hot, but wrap it very well with plastic wrap. Put it in the freezer, and it will last for months. And same with pie crusts, things like that, so that you cookie dough. And then you bring it out, and you, you've you got fresh-baked things, but you pre-prep them all, you know, weeks, if not earlier, before. Right. To take the pressure off of you in the moment. Because that's when it gets sucky. One of the things that uh, – uh, I think it's a great, if you can do this, if you have friends that will do this for you, this is a fantastic thing. Let's just assume that you're going to host something for people from work, for example. And you've got friends who know nothing about your people from work and the two circles don't mix necessarily. If you had friends that would come over and just be in charge of that sort of a thing so that you could host the party. You be the guy who's greeting everybody at the party. Absolutely. And let me worry about your your bacon wrap dates with nuts in the middle of them. Let me be... The server that makes sure everybody's champagne is topped off or something like that. It's quite specific, that appetizer. I know how you eat. I, pre- <laughs> I knew Name I had something to- I don't eat. I'll be impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, is sectioning off all of the weight is the way to do it. And, and also have, you know, I, I went, here comes a name going to be dropped right now. Um, I'm Susan, writing it down. <laughs> famed chef Susan Finneger. I was at her house for a very small gathering. And she was such a pro. You could see it. She I have a question. Gre- I have a question. Yes. What do you bring to that? Nothing. Oh, really? A smile and an appetite. No, it wasn't one, It wasn't something that you were. I brought booze. It wasn't yeah, a yeah, competition. Yeah. I mean, like as a. I brought whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but you, 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 I'm not going <laughs> to. I I bake these. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't <laughs> no, think that. But no. just as like a, a host gift. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I brought booze. Uh, whiskey. But th- she was so good. Uh, she and Liz, her uh, her partner, were so like they welcome you immediately. 
she makes the first drink for you. She says, what can I make for you? And then after she makes that for you, says, here's all the fixing. Please feel free to make the next one yourself. And I love that because it sets the guidelines. Everything's out there. And it it was very welcoming. As the host, I'm going to make your first one. Thank you for coming to my home. You're on your own. Here's all the, and I thought that was a nice way of doing it. Do you never want to have? Do you know what happened to that uh, food critic for the L.A. Times, S. Irene? Like whatever, whatever happened to her? I think she was found out. Like I think somebody took a picture of her and then uh, publicized it, and then she stopped doing reviews for a while. I don't know, but I really liked her her stuff. I, uh, there's been a, a big change in that attitude because you, with social media, you just you can't be unknown anymore. Right, you just can't. Right. And I've had some really wonderful food critics on the show that won't have asked me not to take pictures, and we don't. Um, there was one that I said it'd be funny because we had uh, Duncan, our our fork, our mascot, and they would take pictures with the fork. And I had one. She said, uh, she said I can't take a picture with the fork, but maybe I could hold the fork. But she had to hold it with a particular hand so that rings or tattoos wouldn't show. I, I mean, very yeah. specific, but that, that doesn't happen as much anymore. Yeah. Um, we'll come back and we'll talk more about how to plan for your uh, uh, upcoming party, of course. Also, a warning from the CDC involving cookies. And it's not Uh-oh. what you may think, actually. This one has a twist. I love it. I love it. Twisty cookies when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Open this up for people to weigh in. No, I think I'm in the right. Oh boy, we have assigned parking spots for some people in this building. Not everyone. None of us. None of us. That's for sure. Um, But there is. Oh, you uh, guys don't stop. For different executives and the like, and John and Ken, they have assigned spots. And uh, somebody is parked in the CW executive reserve spot. And I won't say which number it is, but there's a numerical value there. And uh, (laughs) the email went out to the whole company saying, hey, the last time somebody parked in this guy's spot. They got towed. Or they threatened to tow. He wanted it towed. That was last week. Yeah. Just so you know. Someone got familiar because they realized their car didn't get towed last week. And they're like, huh, nothing happens. So they parked there again. I just feel like oh. if if I had a reserve spot and somebody was parked in it, I would not call up the building and say, tow this If you person. paid for that spot and there's a sign that said it's reserved, why would you not have it towed? I don't know. I just feel How like it's around learn? the holidays. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. So put a wreath on it and, and then tow it? The Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. Oh, boy. If she could grow that thing three sizes, it might be three sizes shy. Blake, the- would you order the car to be towed? <laughs> Uh, I would not. Me neither. I would not. Not if it was if it was one day. I wouldn't. No. Nick. Nick. We know what Nick would do. Mm. Nick would take his uh, guitar to the windshield. <laughs> I would wait, and if they didn't move it, then you know what? I probably wouldn't do anything. No, you wouldn't, because you're a good person. Mm-hmm. You'd have it. Me? No, I wouldn't have a toad, but I would take a picture of the plate, the placard in the front of the parking spot that said reserved parking. And I would put it on their windshield. You, you carry a Polaroid around with you? Yeah, so. Okay. He'd leave his whole phone if he had to. <laughs> 
CDC has put out a oh, warning. Oh, boy, CDC. Don't eat cookie dough. Steer clear of this temptation, the CDC says. Eating or tasting unbaked products that are intended to be cooked, such as dough or batter, can make you sick. I have a question, Neil. It was weird that they, they the CDC actually said, Dear Shannon. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I think, the I think they're ruining so it. I think they're ruining it for everyone. I do eat cookie dough, but I don't eat like five you can't. handfuls you of it. But you'll what? eat a little bit of it. A little bit's not going to hurt you, right? Well, no. <laughs> No, that's the thing about like bacteria and stuff. It's pretty small. So it's, uh, it's, <laughs> microorganisms like have micro in their name. So they're pretty small. Here's the thing. Normally the thought is, well, you're dealing with unpasteurized eggs and that's the problem. So a lot of times when you find cookie dough that you can eat, they've either replaced the eggs or they use pasteurized eggs, which are eggs that are heated to about, uh, I think, 141 degrees or something like that. So they're not cooked, but they've cooked off the bacteria. And so that's the, the main thing. The secondary concern is there's no way around this. And that is that raw flour, which you don't really think of as a raw ingredient, but it is yeah. raw flour can contain E. coli and that'll get you. That's a problem. Yeah. So um, when you're like let's say you're making a roux to thicken something. You put uh, fat or butter, uh, whatever your fat is, equal parts with flour. And they always say you want to cook down the flour so it doesn't have that raw taste because you can taste raw flour. Well, you, we don't get in that mindset of it being raw, but it is. And if it is raw and it's not cooked and it's got E. coli, and if you knew what was in flour, you'd cook it. Well, I also think because it's a dry ingredient or – we assume it is. Mostly, that, that, but there that are that oils. A... It can go rancid. I don't think I've ever known that. Yeah. Because we keep it up the in the roux. We keep it in the pantry and we we don't think anything about it. But but technically, it should be in a sealed, uh, non wet, you know, environment. And it, you can, I'm trying to dance around it being too icky. You can have flour that's in a sealed container and find worms and bugs in it and go, hey, how'd that happen? Because there's eggs in it in its state. So there's How do you know if your flour has gone bad? You can you can usually smell it or it has an off taste. It's rancid. When when something goes rancid, the oil turns. And oil when it turns, it it changes. You know. It's not like, oh, I wonder if this is it's like how do how do you know when your milk's gone bad? You know. Right. You know. Bacon vending machines. Bacon never goes bad. No, it doesn't. I would, because it's, I would also think it's in your belly. I'm not saying <laughs> no. You mean it's never out long enough yeah. to No, go bad. it's never it out long enough. It can't go bad. No one goes, oh, I got all this leftover bacon. No, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. It's in your belly. I had a, a sandwich the other week with, ba- with a pork jowl on it, which to me okay. just tasted like a giant, huge, thick, super thick cut of bacon. Cheeks and jowls are some of the most mm. flavorful parts of an animal. Mm. If you ever have a chance to eat fish cheeks, it's awesome. No fish joke. You don't have cheeks. Is that yeah, why in Silence of the Lambs he takes a bite out of that guy's cheek? Yeah, because it's super flavorful. 
Uh, you're going to be out somewhere this weekend, are you not? <laughs> yeah. Tell me. I, I'm going to be at the Butchery in Crystal Cove. They have three locations. We'll be out at the Butchery in Crystal Cove, uh, just south of Newport Beach, north of Laguna Beach. Uh, it's a free event. Come on out. We'll be broadcasting live. Chef Linda Johnson from Philomena's Italian Kitchen and Market will be there. Chef Pascal Olhats will be there. Uh, folks from My Delight Cup Cakery will be giving samples, all free samples, talking about appetizers and entrees for uh, the holidays, for New Year's, for Christmas. And uh, they'll have all kinds of sales. If you're going to get your roasts, great time to get it. At the Butchery in Crystal Cove, live this Saturday from 2 to 5. Thank, Thank you, you, Neil. Neil. Thanks, John, my dear, what's happening? Uh, the lovely Eric Leonard's going to come on in an hour. The lovely Eric From uh, Channel 4. An I've heard of him. We're very excited when he... Uh, Makes an appearance. He's got a story on uh, vagrant crime up 50%. No. 50% in the last year. How could that happen? And (laughs) about one out of every eight aggravated assaults in the city is from a vagrant. That's uh, that's really changed uh, everything. And once they stop prosecuting for all the drug crimes and the low-level crimes, this is is what you're going to get. They've got nothing else to do but to push people into traffic, I guess. All right, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. That that was a good show. I really like them. Gary and Shannon.